0: plushcare.com slash weight loss we don't talk about gender or sexuality unless it's asked we talk about if you happen to see somebody different treat them with kindness some families have a drag queen stepmom a dad and two daughters Ooh, and a wonderful dog too
1: Hello and welcome listener. We are Some Families, the LGBTQ plus parenting podcast and I am Lottie Jeff.
2: And I am Stu Oakley. So myself and Lottie are queer parents and each of us have fairly young children so you could say that we are fairly new to this game. So we are so lucky that we're able to be getting to speak to so many queer parents and getting so many incredible insights from this amazingly diverse community. And then we can share it all with you. And Lottie, this week, I'm very happy to say is no exception. We have our very first drag queen, superstar parent and one of the stars of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's only Mrs. Kasha Davis.
1: I am such a huge fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, as I'm sure so many of you listening are. And I'm so excited for you all to listen to the chat that we have literally just had. We are hot off the phone with Mrs. Kasha Davis. I have a drag queen blush. We're both glowing. And actually, I don't smile that much naturally. But I found myself grinning from ear to ear throughout our whole conversation with her because... For a start, she just looked completely fabulous and she just is an inspiration. So she was, for those of you that don't know, in season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race, gone too soon, if you ask me, but nevertheless, she's one of the few drag queens who have children. So some of the other drag queens who have children before you write in to correct me are Tyra Sanchez, Nicole Page-Brooks and Tempest DuJour.
2: And Kasia is married to her husband, Stephen, and Stephen has two daughters. They are from a previous relationship, and when they first got together, the girls were only seven and ten, but now they're all grown up and they have this amazing relationship. So it was so good to speak to Mrs Davis about the different beats in their relationship from when they were very, very young to through to the teenage years and now into their adult age as well.
1: And she also is just a really positive example of being a good step parent, I think.
2: So without further ado, let's have a listen to the wonderful, the incredible, the indelible Mrs. Kasha Davis. So Mrs. Kasha Davis,
1: look. You, you look fabulous. Yes, I thought I'd made an effort tonight. <laughs> I put lip gloss on for the first time since we've interviewed anyone, and now you come on here with your fabulous hair and your shoulders and your glasses. Well,
0: you're so sweet. I'm I'm dressed from the waist up for these Zoom uh, interviews or shows. You don't need to wear hips or panties or shoes. Well, and it's funny because I position myself in front of my favorite uh things here and uh it, it's a mirrored uh dresser and i've noticed on a few of my videos that i put out for story time i'm like oh mrs kasha davis has hairy legs today <laughs> or no shoes so you have to be careful
2: so let's go back a little bit when was mrs kasha davis first born of course without a lady revealing her age well
0: listen i'm i have no problem revealing my age i play a, i i live as a 49 year old man, Ed. But Mrs. Kasha Davis is really, she could be older. And that's what's great, because when I take off all the drag, people are like, wow, you look younger. <laughs> because I, <laughs> I play an older gal. You know, I, I uh, as a little boy, girl, gal, girl, boy, fella, whatever I was back then, I really admired my mother and my grandmother. And I, I, I just gravitated to their fancy Italian style and their overdressed way of life. And so I back then was just I was always that fancy boy, you know, and my father would kind of like push that down. And I had a poodle that only liked me and the dog didn't last very long and her name was Kasha. And I grew up on Davis Street. So that's exactly how I got my name. The very basic way to get your drag name or your porn name, whatever you're into, is First Pet First Street. So that's how the name came about. And I got Mrs. because I, I was a married lady uh, when I first started performing in my 40s. And I was, oh, no, my late 30s. I was a little, uh, you know, I was prudish. There were strippers. And I said, oh, my goodness, no, I can't. I can't be standing and dressing next to them. I have a husband out in the audience. And so then the, the host announced me as Mrs. Kasha Davis because she's a lady.
2: So Mrs. Davis was born after you met your husband then?
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if you know who Miss Richfield 1981 is, but she's my inspiration. Uh, Look her up. She's on the WWW. Fabulous drag queen. Uh, We were vacationing, our first vacation together, where we decided we were going to be a couple in uh, P-Town, and it's a very gay vacation destination. And Miss Richfield was performing. Now, I would see Darien Lake and Pandora Box and Aggie Dune and Ambrosia Salad and all these fabulous divas here in Rochester. And I thought, oh, they're trying to be pretty. And I just didn't relate. Because I'm, you know, I'm a husky fella. And I didn't understand. But Miss Richfield was not trying to look pretty at all. And she had a fun character and she sang live. And I, li- I, I, you know, I have a theater background. And I thought, oh, I could do that. And so Mr. Davis and I... All the way home from our 10 hour drive from P Town talked about well, what would Mrs. Kasha Davis be? Well, actually, Kasha Davis, because we named me immediately First Pet First Street. And we were just we we were so excited about. So it's always been Mr. and Mrs. Davis when I first started doing drag. He's always been my backup fellow.
2: And how did you two how
0: did how did you meet in the first place? Oh, we met on gay.com.
1: Oh, old school. I remember gay.com.
0: Yes. We had dial up back then, so you know, you know, waiting for. <laughs> and um, yes, so we started dating, and it was just, it was great. And uh, I was, I was thinking, this is the one, and he's just so darling. And then one day he said, "I need to talk to you," and I was like, "Great, here comes the friend conversation." And he said, "I have something to share with you," and I was like, "What is this going to be? This is getting heavy." He said, "I have two daughters. Who was previously married." And I didn't introduce you to them or talk about them because I've had bad experiences where people would, you know, run away.
1: How long into your relationship was that bombshell dropped?
0: It was about three months. And I was over the moon excited because I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, back then, Elton John and Barry Manilow and Liberace, they were all straight.
1: (laughs) Isn't that wild?
0: (laughs) And so I didn't know that you could have a life out of the closet in the way that I wanted to have a life. I wanted to have children and a family and a Christmas. And I didn't understand. And I was told at least I was told that you can't have those things being gay. You cannot do that. Mm. And so I grew up just depressed. And, you know, of course there was no gay marriage and there was none of that. And uh, so when he told me I was over the moon, I couldn't wait to get to the mall and spoil them.
1: And do you remember the first time that you met them? Oh, yes.
0: So it was around this time of the year, actually, about, it would have been about a week ago, around Mother's Day, uh, early May. And we went to what well, we have a festival here in Rochester. It's once the good weather hits, we have a festival every weekend. And it was the Lilac Festival. And so we're celebrating the blooming of lilacs. I mean, really? But anyway, so we went and I was so proud to because, you know, it's one of these local festivals where you get to see some of the other gays and you see some of the other people walking around. And so we're holding hands and I've got the youngest on my shoulders the whole time. And I remember just being like so sore carrying her around. But I was so proud to be that little family together walking around.
1: Were you as Kasia at the time or were you Oh no, I was
0: as Ed. Uh, Yeah, I live as Ed and I hit the stage as Kasha. It wasn't very long after we were together that Mrs. Kasha Davis started to to occur. And you know, it fulfilled that need for theater. I went to school for theater, but you know, I was told I can't. You know, that's the the, the a big part of my story is you can't have a family being gay and you can't have a a life in theater. And it was now I know it was trying to be realistic and give me other backup plans, but it felt like people weren't celebrating what I was, who I was and what dreams I wanted.
1: When you were married to your ex-wife, was there talk about starting a family with her and was that, and was being a father something that kind of sat comfortably or uncomfortably for you?
0: I wanted to have children and she kept saying she didn't. And I think, you know, we were high school sweethearts and I actually came out to her two times and her response was, Oh, you're just very European. We'll deal with it. (laughs) What? Now that's not her fault. That's my fault. I still, I, you know, that she didn't keep me in the marriage. She didn't keep me in the relationship. That was my choice to Mm. stay. And, and so we kind of both started to go our separate ways for obvious reasons. And, uh, I think she knew enough that this was not a great idea to have kids with me. Um, so she knew I definitely wanted to have a family. And and as we got towards the end of our relationship, and, you know, we were both cheating, um, she ended up with the fella that she... She met somebody in in Spain, fella. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they ended up getting married years later, and she did have two, two kids. And uh, we... Never reconciled, and I don't believe in regret, but this one thing in my life that I'll say I wish we were able to reconcile because just in the last year uh, she passed away. So,
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry yeah, to hear that. That now. must be hard. Very
0: hard. Uh, it got me a little emotional just saying it. Um, but I believe in uh, the energies being there, and I feel she and I have, in some ways, uh, she sees a different light now. Um, so God love her, but and and uh, God bless her kids and her her husband. So, mm.
1: so you were eventually afforded this kind of amazing family that you'd you'd sort of thought that you wanted for yourself. Yeah, and did you feel nervous
0: meeting them for the first time? I didn't. I love kids. I knew that they might be like, "What's this?" You know, uh, but I'm patient, and I knew my instincts from the beginning were that they didn't need a mother or a father, very comfortable being an uncle because I have nieces and nephews. And I was like, okay, well, it's very much like that. Because, you know, in their particular dynamic, mom was present and dad was present. And they were both good and active. And, and they didn't need me to replace either of those, you know, people. um, it Just to be in addition for them in their lives. And boy, I can tell you some stories as we went on that I got to get the brunt of some of the stuff that they didn't want to talk to their parents about. <laughs> and, and now our
1: youngest is
0: engaged to be married, and I cannot wait to be a grandparent.
1: And so, what were the teenage years like? You've sort of just glossed over some of the stories that you could tell us, but are there? Can you can you share?
0: Oh, sure. We were lucky because we changed the we we wanted to help mom and give her some break because she had to do the wake up and they don't want to wake up for school and they you know we didn't have to deal with that. We got them on Wednesdays and, uh, and every other weekend. And I said to Steve, I was like, listen, weekends are so much fun. Let's have them every weekend, offer it to Deb. And if she um, is okay with it, we'll have the kids in the And it'll give her some time to just chill out and, you know, relax a little. She was immediately like, yes, no problem. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and so, so we had them on the weekends. Well, it was funny. As they started to get to that age, that teenage age, you know, there were some conflicting messages. Mom would say, no, I do not want my daughters wearing high heels because uh, they could get hurt. So I was like, okay, girls, this entire weekend, I'm gonna pra- we're going to practice wearing heels. Everybody wears heels. Every time you stand up, you must be wearing heels. So I brought out all these heels. So we're all around the house. And it was funny and fun. And of course, I was like, there is no way our girls are going to a prom or a semi-formal in flats. They can take them off. <laughs> At some point, the heel's up, but they have to arrive and heal. I mean, it's just, you know, whatever. So, and then another time they came over and dad, uh, Steve was like, well, I'm going to run outside. I'm going to do the lawn. We had this tiny little lawn. We lived in the city of Rochester at that point. And they said, "Um, okay, we only have a few minutes. We have to ask you, uh, is a blowjob sex? What? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was like, um, do you guys want a soda? like what's happening here you know so i got those questions and and uh, the questions about like you know because i had sisters it wasn't really difficult for me but i got thrown questions like that or you know the difference between you know a pad and a tampon and i was like
2: you know you're in the deep end
0: yeah i got thrown into the and it was <laughs> we had fun i mean it was just it was it was it was good it got difficult at one point as we got into high school there was how do I explain not only mom and dad are divorced, but dad has a new spouse? They had to kind of navigate those conversations with their friends. And there were some difficult times. It was what I was drinking then. So I was sitting out by the pool, just drowning in my sorrows. I learned that lesson that, you know, through thick and thin, we we, we are a family no matter what. and And we've had some tough times as a family. You know, mom and I didn't always see eye to eye. And uh and it was difficult for her, and it was difficult for me. And uh we're buddies now. I can safely say we're friends. We're excited about the wedding and 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 we really have uh, built a relationship. It was not we wouldn't even she wouldn't allow me to be in her home at first. Wow. And yeah.
1: What do you think was the, the root of that animosity at the beginning? We ended up having,
0: I think in some ways a life that she wanted, and she was having a life that we wanted. You know, she had the kids on a more full-time basis, and then she saw us kind of having the freedom all the time, really, in comparison. So it wasn't until we really, we just had to have a lot of get-together, and we we are a team, including her her significant other.
1: Because I was going to ask what you did to kind of get to a place of, of harmony. And and if you had any advice for other people in similar family dynamics right now. Yeah.
0: I think it was a lot of conversation, a lot of allowing the other person to vent. Um, It was, it, it can be complicated sometimes and just forgiving one another because, you know, in the heat of the moment, don't we all sometimes say something we wish we hadn't. And I can spend all the time in the world, you know, trying to hold somebody accountable to that and uh, forever and hold a grudge or whatever the case may be. But by forgiving and just moving past, because what's most important to us, the four of us is that we're there for those two girls in any way we can to provide them different examples and to be there for the grandkids at some point, you know, um, it wasn't their fault that all of this happened. And so we, you know, why should they suffer?
2: families whether they're queer families or non-queer families kind of all go through this journey when you have step parents that you get to this stage where you've gone through the tough times and you come out as this incredible family dynamic and just how wonderful for those girls to have someone like you in their lives who they can turn to So not a lot of teenagers have that at all. They don't have that role model or their figure in their lives to be able to go, oh, you know, hey, what's a blowjob or something like that. (laughs) No,
0: we recently, we were were organizing things for a reception hall for the wedding. And our daughter was sitting across the table with her sister. And my husband was farther at the other end, next to the one daughter. And I was sitting next to his ex-wife. And then... So the, the woman finally, you know, we're all answering questions and there's so many people around the table. And she finally said, can I ask a question? Who's who? You know, and we all laughed and our daughters said, well, these are almost all of my parents.
1: Oh, that's so nice. That must have just filled your heart when they yeah, said that.
0: You know, and so it's definitely different. It's definitely unique, um, but I wouldn't have it any other way at this point.
1: What
0: do the girls call you? The girls call me Ed. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and it's funny they they've come to shows and and throughout the years when they were growing up, they thought my all my jokes were too old and I don't do new enough music. They're like, why are you singing about a corset? What's a corset? You know, and <laughs> and so they at at one point didn't get it, but then once Drag Race hit and their friends started to see, then oh right. fabulous Mrs. Kesha Davis, you know.
1: So, when did they first meet Mrs. Kasha Davis and into your relationship with them?
0: So, we had moved into a new home and I had the opportunity to perform for the first time while we were there. I think they went to bed and I went out. And then, maybe one or two other times after that, I said to Stephen, I was like, what is happening? I said, well, we have to tell them what's happening. I don't want them to, what if they wake up in the middle of the night? And I'm not there, you know? And so when we told them, they were like, that evening, they got themselves into drag. We had all this, th- they kept coming up with the different outfits. We sat on the sofa with our glass of wine and our youngest was like, I'm a crazy zookeeper because she had all these different like leopard prints and zebra prints and stuff. And so we got fashion shows and they would do, you know, they were in band at the time. So they would play musical. It was just, it was so fun and accepting. But again, our insecurities. We at first were hiding it from them, and we were thinking. After a few times, I was like, "I don't. This is my house. I, why am I sneaking out?" You know. Mm. And then once they got it, they started to come to the pride festivals. Of course, as they got a little older, and they would they would attend the shows. And
1: like I said, so they were kind of ten, eleven at this age. Yeah. Kind of when they were doing the fashion shows for you. Yeah. that's so nice.
0: Too young to go to a nightclub, but we would perform. Myself and my friend Aggie Doon, we would perform at a party house. Uh, like a dinner show and so they would come to that and they just thought it was great they would help out with you know setting the table or whatever and putting those cards sweet yeah. that's so
1: fun that's so fun and, for them. and now that they are adults have they found themselves um in a kind of queer community themselves i mean i don't know how they identify but regardless have they got drag queen friends have they has that kind of infiltrated their social life in a way so they lived
0: in a, a small town where it was like where I grew up, and there weren't a lot of opportunities for queer people to be celebrated, let's say. And now I'm proud to say that, yes, they have friends that are, you know, either potentially drag queens, or they have a they, they've been very uh, helpful with uh, some of their high school friends. They, our youngest daughter just got her uh, masters. And she is the school counselor, and she started, at this school, she started the first alliance club for the, both the gay and straight communities to come together. And um, so she's, you know, in the counseling role. And then our other daughter, she helps me by selecting, she's a children's librarian, and she helps by selecting the books that I read for story time. So, you know, they have, they re- I can tell that our lives have really helped them to open and see different, different, you know, different things that that really were not so available in the town they grew up in.
2: So you must feel so proud that your influence on her has then led her to have an influence on others. And that is also helping other people within the school.
0: So proud. And you know, and if, isn't that what it's all about, you know, sharing a story so that you can help someone else, you know, by sharing mm-hmm. your story. So
2: listener, what you might also not know that Mrs. Kasha Davis does amazing story time sessions. And I love it. I watch it with my children. I've got three children and we sat and watched one today and they absolutely loved it. And I think kids do love it. They love seeing a drag queen tell a story. And I feel it's so important in so many ways. It's interesting you talk about, the, the LGBT community sometimes and other drag queens saying, well, why are you doing that? I, there's obviously a huge amount of people that are very, very vocal about drag queens reading to
0: children. I mean, what are your thoughts around that? Sometimes uh, I think a performer needs to know their audience. One time I did a story time at a library. and I think that here at some points that caused um, protests because it's public funded and people had the right to say. But when it was a private private at the theater, we built up our audience up to over 150 people, both gay, straight, young, old, children of all ages. And uh, and we had had some protesters. And I remember being coached because we were supposed to be having a big protest and it never really happened. But I was coached to first off the idea is that, you know, when they, people say, you know, what is the agenda? The agenda is to read a book and to be fabulous and to be honest with the kids. You know, we don't talk about gender or sexuality unless it's asked. We talk about if you happen to see somebody different, treat them with kindness. So if you want to come and watch that, come and watch, but you're going to see that's what happens. Then I was also asked, why aren't you explaining why you're in drag? I said, because the kids never ask the question. If they ask the question, we'll answer the question. I've had a little boy once come up to me and say, you're really a boy dressed like a girl. And I said, you figured it out. And then he was my helper for the rest of the day. You know, we're not going to lie to the kids, but when they walk into the theater, they see Mrs. Kasha Davis, who likes to wear sparkly things. She reads books, and this is where she lives. And they want to have a good time. But it's the parents who have this sometimes, or not so much the parents, but some of the adults who aren't attending have this other perspective that's just not true, um, and so I think sometimes that that obviously comes from fear. But um, I do believe sometimes you know we have to be careful. You know, I, my jokes can be off-color. I have to watch that. You know, if I have uh, children, I, I I can I can watch myself. But sometimes some performers they don't belong in that in that uh, situation. That's fine. And it's not for
2: everybody. So there's a really interesting conversation happening over here. And I don't know if it's happening over in America as well, about how about how people not being able to remove one's sex life from who they are and their sexuality. As an example, there was a few primary school teachers, gay male primary school teachers who were kind of pulled on upon and shamed by a certain group for seeing pictures of them out in clubs or being in drag and them feeling that was not appropriate for them to teach their children. Whereas obviously there's an argument that a primary school teacher can do anything regardless of who they are or their gender outside of the school in their personal life. And I think that's something that also needs to change. But again, it's changing with the people who are a certain mindset.
1: And I mean, hopefully that's changing. And the more the more we see examples why we're doing this podcast the more we see examples of different kinds of families different kinds of parents different genders different sexualities you know it's only by doing it that we're going to change anything right so um yeah i guess like thank you for everything you're doing with kids and it's like amazing and um you're such a a wonderful role model i think as a parent well thank you
0: and and honestly i think uh you, you're, you're saying it best is that it just sometimes it takes time and it takes us just providing those examples. And so, you know, okay. if, if people come to a story time or to a drag show, or they see it on TV and they see that these people are safe and okay, you know, one of the great things about drag race in particular is not so much the show, but the real stories of their lives mm-hmm. and people watching However they, however they identify, can see those stories and say, oh my gosh, guess what? I identify with that person too. They're real people. And uh, and I think that's part of the storytelling that's so important.
2: And I think that's what's made Drag Race so popular worldwide, isn't it? It's, it's how you've done so much for the community because you see just not one person up there. You don't see one singular person. It's, it's 12 different people who, who, 12 different people who are all very individual all have their own personality each have their own story to tell and a different look and feel. And it's, it's really inspiring to see
0: one of the things that I wish was used for my season was they had Mr. Davis, Stephen and Melissa and Jessica, our daughters have a call in. And so we filmed them calling in and I'm crying and missing them. And they're saying how proud they Mm -hmm. are. And, uh, everyone is emotional. But they used that footage of people crying for when Ginger's husband called in, and they never aired that of my family. So that happens with Mm -hmm. with editing, yeah. So, you know, maybe we'll have another chance with All-Stars someday, but I think that was something that I was, oh, when I, you know, I was eliminated middle, relatively early middle, and I was like, okay, well, you know what? At least the world gets to see that you can have a family and children, and they've never aired. <laughs> Since then, we, Stephen and I, created uh, Life with the Davises, and you'll see different videos where we showcase our children. And then Hay Queen did some videos with uh with them as well. And so that that made me very proud.
2: Have you ever been a drag mother to anybody within the community?
0: So Wednesday Westwood is somebody who is incredible, and uh, she doesn't like to say that i'm her drag mother but i have been there to to guide her as much as i could and i give her a lot of you know clothing and and things and you know she's that rebellious like younger kind of (laughs) edgy you know you can't be just a drag queen you if you want a lot a a longer career you've got to be able to speak on a microphone you've got to be able to have a have something to say and um and so we encourage one another in that
1: way it's so heartwarming i guess that the drag community has provided a sense of um, chosen family to so many young queer people. And that, you know, our podcast's name is Some Families. And so I think it would just be nice to talk a bit about that for a minute of what drag houses and that, that concept can give people who maybe don't have strong relationships with their own families.
0: A chosen family is as vital to our growth as our given family and sometimes more. Mm-hmm. You know, I will say that when I came out to my parents, it's a long time ago, but when I did, my father spit in my face and my mother was devastated and and I felt disowned. I dramatized that a little bit, but it was not easy for me. And I was divorced and I and they 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 just didn't understand and didn't want to understand. My father knew I was gay since the day He can never remember. He's the first person to call me a fairy. But in that process, you know, thankfully, before he passed, he actually came to see a show. And and we ended up having a very close relationship. It wasn't close for a long time. But when I felt disowned, I created a family uh, of friends that would go to the clubs and stuff. And then the drag family became, you know, it was vital to, you know, we would have misfit Christmas, we used to call it. And it was it was drag queens and and those that would go to see the shows that didn't have family to go home to or just at least just didn't want to go home because they just didn't feel welcome. Yeah. And um, you know I'm very open about the fact that I uh, I'm going to be about fi- I'll be five years sober this uh, July, and in that process of the rehabilitation, I learned to own my side of the street. And kind of find that common ground and and, and find forgiveness, and fortunately I was be, I was able to build, rebuild that relationship with my dad. I didn't with my mom before she passed. Mm-hmm. But you know as a as a family unit like that of our chosen family, you know we can share those stories uh for one another. And you know while it, uh, the, that that separation felt devastating was so important to my growth and to me becoming who I am today, because without me going out on my own and having that created family, I wouldn't have found who I was because I would have kept trying to be in my parents' shell that they wanted me to stay in, so it was painful but important,
2: yeah, and without that, we wouldn't have the fabulous mrs. kasha davis so you've got the wedding coming up,
0: yeah, yeah, I am very excited to say that I get to help uh, their mom with her look and she wants my help for the dress and I get to be there as a part of uh, selecting our daughter's uh, dress and be there for that. I'll tell you, we used to go prom dress shopping. And mom would be like, you know, the dress has to come up to here and all that. And I'd be like, okay, first of all, girls, we're not trying anything on until we get the proper undergarments. And they'd be like, what? And like, you have to, we have to build from the base. And they were like, "Um, I don't want to be uncomfortable. And so they fought me and fought me. I was like, listen, if you want to wear that dress, you need to have something underneath it to hold your body in a certain way. And they were like, oh, God, they were so mad at me. Well, they tried it on. Gorgeous. (laughs) I'm so proud to say, too, that I've taught my girls to duct tape their boobs (laughs) when they need to. You don't always need a bra. Tips and tricks. Tips and tricks. Tips and tricks, Lottie. A little quite. Well,
1: I've realised myself that wearing white silk uh, on a Zoom call is potentially I needed to have duct taped my bra, <laughs> my, my lack of bra this evening.
2: So a character that we have on our Some Families podcast, her name is Sally, Aunt Sally, and she is probably about as far removed from a drag queen as you could possibly get. She is, well, she's quite ignorant and she always ask the wrong questions she always says the wrong thing and we just like to ask people if you've got a memorable aunt sally moment
1: where someone's come up to you and said something that's just so inappropriate about your relationship with your family specifically uh, or your role as a parent that's just made you think
0: yes people have said inappropriate things um i mean certainly like there there people will ask um Mr. Davis and I, like, who's the wife? Many people don't think what I do is a serious job. You're just out having dressing up having fun. That must be nice, you know. Yes, I love what I do. You should consider loving what you do. They they don't get it. Or they'll ask, like, you know, questions about, like, my physique. Like, did you get implants? Or, you know, I live as Ed, as, as you know, he, male. And I dra- dress as a drag queen and turn into Mrs. Kasha Davis. So, you know, that sometimes can't be separate for some people.
2: So have you been to the UK? And are you coming back here anytime soon, if you have? And tell me, Mrs. Kasha Davis, when you're coming to London.
0: Yes to all of that. My favorite is London. I love it. I love the people. I feel very much at home. I feel like people understand my drag and my humor. and. uh You know, I love Bag of Chips. I toured my one-woman show, There's Always Time for a Cocktail, and I got to perform at Royal Vauxhall Tavern, and I bounced around. I went to Brighton. There was a Fringe Festival there that I was there for that and a bunch of other clubs uh, as well.
2: Oh, my God, I didn't realize you were there. I came to Dracón with my son. He's two, and we were there enjoying it, loving it, and... I have this little thing with him where he's still, every single night I put him to bed and I sit with him and I whisper to him, I say, so what are you gonna dream about tonight? And he just turns and he looks at me and he goes, drag queens. And he's so happy when he says it. And he just adores drag queens. He loves story times. And it it just had so much fun at DragCom.
0: It's just so important for the kids to be able to have that, you know, that magic, you know.
1: Oh, I don't know about you, Stu, but it was so nice to see a bit of glamour on a Zoom screen. I'm so used to for work just speaking to people on Zoom in our hoodies. And there was Mrs. Casha Davis just bringing the most fabulous full look to us this evening. I felt very, very privileged.
2: And I will not take any offence to that, seeing as you have to stare at my face on a Zoom conference <laughs> each and every week at the moment. But I completely agree. She was it, everything that the word fabulous was made for. She was amazing. And what I loved speaking to her about as well was that feeling you actually get from RuPaul's Drag Race, which we, we, we touched upon in the interview, which is the human side Drag Race does that and it was so beautiful to speak to Mrs. Kasha Davis and see her human side and hear about her incredible family and the dynamics that they all have
1: together. And how wonderful that she just embraced her husband's children from the get-go?
2: Well I felt that she really wanted it and I think that also is a really good reminder to us as gays and lesbians and everyone that it's been so hard for so many people for so long and not just hard but impossible like the fact she talked about that she just imagined that she would never have those things that she would never have a family christmas so i think to have that in the back of your mind then to be all of a sudden seeing that opportunity to have it must have been an incredible feeling
1: Stu did you ever do drag when you were a kid? Well funny you should
2: ask I am a bit of a failed drag queen <laughs> I, I went to an amateur dramatics group when I was in my early teens and there was a variety show put on one year and I decided to do drag and I must I think I was 13 and I stole uh, one of my mum's dresses. It was a red, and God, I don't even know why she had this hanging in her wardrobe. I suppose it was the the nineties, but she had a red kind of velour tight, long dress with slits up both sides. I mean, maybe my mum was a secret drag queen. I didn't even know about it. But she had these <laughs> things with these slits up the side. I got some fishnet tie. I had a huge Dolly Parton wig and a pink feather boa. And my friends were my backup dancers and we practiced for weeks doing all the moves to Young Hearts Run Free. And, oh,
1: amazing.
2: And I came out, the curtains came back. I was there. My mum came and she was sitting in the audience. But she had no idea I was doing it. I had not tell her, which could have been a major error. But in hindsight, it was quite funny. And and there was a point, you know, the interlude in the song. Mm. And I did this little bit where I walked down into the audience and I went and sat on men's laps. Like I was 13 and I had glitter in my hand. and I was going over everyone. And my mum was sitting next to my best friend's mum. And she just turned to her and just went. Oh, I do worry about him sometimes.
1: (laughs) Amazing. I think my drag experience uh, was mainly confined to um, World Book Day and going as, um, I'd always want to go as a boy from a book or is it George from the Famous Five? who was like the the kind of tomboy in Famous Five. Um, But I went as just William to my book group to my not book group i went as just william to my uh, world book day when i was about seven or eight and there's a really cute photo of me in like a boy's school uniform with a little like flat cap on um just smiling from ear to ear because i think i just really loved it
2: i could see you as a drag king lottie i can see it
1: i'm really into it there's a night there's a night called Peck's Drag Kings that I'm desperate to go to, and was planning to go to before this blimmin' lockdown happened. And um, yeah, I need to get my alter ego, just William, grown up. But using Mrs.
2: Davis's kind of algorithm, what would your drag drag king name okay, so be? My,
1: I think we need a different algorithm for drag kings because it just does not sound butch enough. Because my first pet street name. Uh, would be sugar beaner <gasps> sugar beaner so can i steal yours <laughs>
2: can i steal yours and you could have mine because mine using that is arnold drive
1: <gasps> oh my god that's the that is the most perfect dragging name arnold drive so you can have mine and i'll have it. yours
2: i'll be sugar beaner
1: Thank you all so much for listening. It's been a pleasure as always.
2: So Lottie, you have been a fabulous, gorgeous, wonderful queen, but it is time for you now, and myself, to sachet away. Goodbye
1: everybody, and remember, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen up in here?
2: Amen! Dream about tonight? Oh, oh, oh.
4: Black okay, no, baby. Give me a guess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.